Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today is an interesting day here at the shop. I thought you might like to join me over here at the crystal ball we have set up in the shop. I thought it would be interesting to take a look as you gaze into the crystal ball. As the mists separate, you'll see a not-too-distant future appear. And within this future, you'll find a totalitarian society and the evil that lurks therein. So without further ado, let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder original, History of Evil. So History of Evil is a new film that came out on Shudder. It's one of those films where I knew it was coming out. I had it on my list of, of Shudder originals. I try to catch those as soon as they come out since I have Shudder and I knew it was coming out. I didn't know much about it until I saw a trailer for it here. I don't know, maybe a week, maybe two weeks ago. And I thought, okay, dystopian future, haunted house story, essentially. I'm on board with this. This looks like it could be pretty good. Shudder has had a history of putting out some pretty decent horror films over the past few years and not everyone is good not everyone is great but you've had some that are pretty good and you've had some that are great some not so much and unfortunately i have to put history of evil in the not so good category and, and i hate to do that because when you listen to the actors when you listen to the writer and director, Bo Mir Hosseini. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, there obviously was a passion. There obviously was an idea behind this that, that everybody was really on board with. I just don't think it was pulled off succinctly. This movie had a lot of things going on, a lot of things to draw your focus here and over here and over there. And I just think this movie, you know, pick a lane. It's kind of where I felt this movie. I think at its heart, it had a really interesting idea and the influence of this movie from Bo Mir Hosseini. I think he had a really interesting idea of where he wanted uh, to go with this and where the beginnings of this movie started. But I think in trying to turn it into a not-too-distant future, quasi-dystopian science fiction Tried to turn it also into a horror movie with a lot of messages. I just think the movie kind of got lost in the weeds. And it's a shame because I, I was really interested in the cast. Of course, Paul Wesley, you know him from Vampire Diaries, was in this. Jackie Cruz, who was in Orange is the New Black. Uh, fans of both of those shows and both of those actors. So I was really interested to see them both get kind of leading roles in a movie and, and what they would do with that. You had a couple other really good, solid actors, none that I'm quite familiar with, but but one in particular we're going to talk about in the spoiler section I was really impressed with. So he had a decent cast, but it just, 
the movie for me fell flat on a lot of areas as well. It, it just lacked focus. And it also, the characters, for the most part, were one-dimensional, except for the Paul Wesley character, Ron. We did get to, to know a little bit more about him and explore that. But the descent this character takes is... Like I said, just very one-dimensional. It felt very rushed. It didn't really build the way I was hoping it was going to build. And the horror aspect of this, a ghost story in an old dilapidated house, I, I thought there was a lot of place to do some horror. Really good horror. Uh, granted, nothing that we probably wouldn't have seen before, jump scares and all this, but like there were no jump scares in this movie. At least none effective. I don't remember jumping or even being cajoled into jumping at any point. Uh, there were a lot of scenes where it built some good tension to what should have been a horrific end. And then the scene cuts to another scene or cuts to the next day. And you, you know, all that tension you built, you lose it and you didn't pay it off with a good scare. That's not to say there weren't a couple creepy moments. And we'll talk about them again in the spoiler section. But all in all, I just didn't like this movie. And for being, about, I think it's like an hour and 37 minutes, it felt like a two, two and a half hour movie. It just felt like it was never ending. It really was uh, a victim of bad pacing. And there again, like I said, I, I feel bad. I, I don't like to trash a movie because, you know, movies, you know, nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Uh, you know, so, uh, there are some directors and, and some movie houses that, that do that. They they put out bad movies kind of as a, that's their thing. We do a bunch of shitty B movies. But, but nobody really goes out to make a bad movie. You have a director who wrote this, and it's based on experiences from his family. Uh, again, we'll get into in the, the spoiler section. You have a couple actors who really latched on to these characters and really... I enjoyed telling a story with these characters. I just don't think it was... It, it really had all the hallmarks of a first-time director. In Bo Mir Hosseini, uh, and, and I don't know if he's written a screenplay before, but he wrote the screenplay in this as well. And I, I don't know if it's his first you know, feature-length screenplay, but it is his first feature-length directed film. And, and it really showed. It's not to say, I think... It was bad. I think the, the movie had a really good look about it. And the production design, I thought, was was adequate. But you had some really nice-looking scenes. I liked the way they played the the everyday occurrences in the house and the certain look of, of the real world. And a couple scenes that go more into the Ron character's subconscious and how they juxtapose the... The conscious world from his unconscious world and how the looks differed. Very, very, not subtle, but it wasn't overblown and overstated. And I thought that there was a nice, delicate transition from, from one world to the other that Bomir Hassini did really well. But there again, like I said, ultimately, this just movie wasn't for me. But I would never tell you not to see it because uh, I'm not that kind of guy. I didn't like it. But look at it. And give it a viewing, see for yourself, check out History of Evil on Shudder, and see how you feel about it. And then come back and listen to my thoughts as we're going to head into some spoiler territory. But yeah, if you haven't watched it, go check it out, and then come back. And if you have watched it or you don't care one way or the other, 
uh, about spoilers or the movie. You're just interested to hear, you know, what I have to bitch about it. <laughs> then, then come on in. We're going to head into some spoiler territory right now. So this movie's set in a not-too-distant future. You get some title cards at the beginning kind of explaining what's going on. It's 2045, a not-too-distant future. There has been a second civil war. And with Alex Garland's Civil War coming out sometime later this year, you're going to get a lot of movies like this. I, I don't think that anything's ripping off one or the other. I just think that anybody that has a movie that even remotely talks about a civil war streaming services are going to pick these up and push them out there kind of trying to ride the wake of this big movie that's coming out uh, sometime later this year with civil war but but there's been a civil war the united states is now the north american federation and for all intents and purposes the country has been taken over by right-wing white Christians. And right off there, I'm like, ah, oh, God, here we go. That's right. The white Republican Christians are the bad guys, and they're going to turn everything into a totalitarian state, and they're going to make women wear red dresses and big white flying nun hats. Yeah, I, I get it. And it felt just very, like, politically driven, stereotyping. And, and then I was really kind of uh, put off by that. But as, since then, I've listened to some interviews with Bo Mirhaseni, and I've watched some interviews with him, read some interviews with him, and I found out the influence of this movie, what really inspired this movie for him was his parents' experiences in the 1970s during the Iranian Revolution. And what they had gone through and like the militias coming around and that kind of helped me put his idea for this movie in a little more context because during the Iranian revolution, Iranian uh, government, you know, became a very theocratic government where religion ruled the day. And I get it now. I, I get that he's trying to show a dystopian future where religion rules instead of the Constitution. Now, I'm sure there's some people out there that just think that's the best way to go, but even as a Christian myself, uh, I, I don't think that religion should run government because you, you get into some dangerous territory. What happens to the people that don't believe in the same religion you do? What happens to them? So I think no matter what the religion is, if religion rules government, then one religion and one belief system is going to start oppressing and subjugating the other religions. And that's where you had here. And I thought the, the first scene was really interesting. And I think it was a good way to set up this new theocratic government and this new not-too-distant future dystopian America, uh, where you have these checkpoints and everybody's being checked to make sure that they're not, uh, you know, some sort of dissident or some sort of enemy of the state. Uh, you get a scene where somebody starts to run and they're shot, you know, some roadside summary justice. So I thought they did a really good job and an interesting job of, of setting up the dystopian society. And once you put in to the context that this is really essentially Bohemir Hasseni's vision of what America could be like if it went through the same thing that Iran went through in the 70s. And there, I think with that, I understood it wasn't so much about Republicans. It wasn't so much about Christians being the bad guy. It is just showing that kind of uh, where religion becomes your government. That is the point he was making with 
choosing this way of, of portraying a dystopian future and a totalitarian future. So you have this world, but it doesn't really play into the movie at all. I mean, you could have taken this out and made the Allegra character, give her some other reason for being on the run, and, and it would have worked just fine. Because really, the only other times that we get any sort of inkling that it is a dystopian, not-too-distant future is when the militia group comes around and and that's one of the things that you get in those opening titles where it talks about how state-sponsored militias are running around just kind of being enforcers. Uh, you get some of those scenes, a couple of those scenes. You get these drones flying around. And, and I kind of liked that. This is only like 21 years, 20, 21 years into the future. And so technology is not going to be that much more advanced. But it is going to be a little more advanced and drones are a thing now and to see these drones outfitted with infrared and scanners and, and stuff like that makes it a little futuristic but not too far futuristic. And I, I thought that was that was okay. You got a few scenes with that that lent itself to the not too distant dystopian future. But really it didn't need to be in the future. Uh, the, that was just... I don't know. That just felt kind of like a vehicle to make this theocratic government, which there again didn't necessarily play into the end of this movie or where this movie was going either. I mean, they did play into when the militia guys show up and, and it did play into the fact that they are, of course, if they're white Christian conservatives, uh, they're obviously racist because... Everyone's like that. If you're you're a white Christian conservative, you're obviously a racist, which is is fucking ignorant. But even that, like a history of evil, they have some racism tones to that. And and I thought there was going to be an exploration into racism, but even at the very end of the day, what the character Ron goes through doesn't necessarily have anything to do with racism. It's more about it's a very Jack Torrance sort of storyline where he needs to take control of his wife and take control of his family didn't play into racism at all there's a black woman living in the house and not a racist thing was ever said to her so it really made this kind of confusing as to what was the message that was trying to be put out here is it a be careful of the political climate that pits one side against the other because soon it's going to get to a boiling point and one side's going to win over the other and we're not going to like what society looks like if either side wins uh is it that because you really didn't play into that all that much you have them staying at this house that is haunted by an old racist and he has a lot of kkk paraphernalia hidden away in this house that they they come across so there's obviously some sort of racial undertones to this but it's never really played out in a real tangible way that you can say oh that's that's horrific it's just kind of hinted at and never really made to be something that i can see the horrors of that played out on the screen for a horror movie and then you have this this old racist ghost who is uh, coming to one of our main characters ron 
And he's not teaching him to be racist like him. He's teaching him to be a man and and take back the power in his relationship with his wife. And so then you have this other theme that's coming in where, where young men and, and boys... Uh, there's an interesting quote from, from Paul Wesley that I... I was listening to an interview where he's talking about he he wanted to do this because he felt that Ron was unable to express his masculinity in a healthy way. And Paul Wesley went on to say that, you know, like young men and boys feel or are taught they need to be a certain way to be a man. And I think that's very interesting. And they do kind of play into that. The Ron character, we get to see that play out, but it's so muddied by all these other themes that Bo Mirceni put into this that it just didn't really have any weight to it. Now, the cast, like I said, the cast was pretty good. Uh, I like Paul Wesley. I thought he did a good job for the most part. Uh, but then there were some scenes where, like, the the one scene where he's kind of having his Jack Torrance and Grady moment where the ghost of this old racist, Kane, is kind of teaching or influencing Ron to go, you know, take the power back from his wife and they're they're drinking, I don't know if it's real whiskey or spirit whiskey, like uh, The Shining, but you start to see the Ron character, played by Paul Wesley, uh, slip into this madness, but it's so abrupt and so like out of nowhere that it just didn't feel believable and it really felt like we needed to see more of a gradual descent into this. But all in all, I thought uh, Paul Wesley did a good job. Jackie Cruz, I, I just felt like she just didn't get a character that was written very well. I, I know she really liked this character because this was her first like lead in a film. And she, she liked how this was a strong woman. She it was a political prisoner who broke out of prison and is on the run, hooking up with her husband, Ron, played by Paul Wesley, and their little daughter, uh, Daria, played by the uh, adorable Murphy Bloom. But you have these scenes where, like, there was one scene where she's, like, scribbling down in her notebook, and she tells the one lady, Trudy, that she needs to get on the, the horn and, and tell all the people out there a message. And and the message you're expecting, okay, she's this big enemy of the state for saying all these subversive things, and we're going to really hear, like, some sort of strong, powerful message from her. And the only thing she said into this this kind of uh, shortwave radio setup is, uh, just keep fighting. And I'm like, seriously, you had a moment for her to, to say something, to speak to some of the themes that you're trying to touch here. And it was just essentially keep fighting. And I was like, ah, oh, God. And, and I really felt bad for Jackie Cruz because I, I think she's a good actress. If you've watched her in Orange is the New Black, I think she does a good job there. And I really wanted to see her get more out of this character, a little more mileage. I just don't think the character was written very much more than just being one note and one dimensional. And that that's sad because I think... You know, the character was interesting enough. The character had a backstory that we never really got into. We didn't really hear what her message was that got her into the hot water with the state and becoming a an enemy of the state. I really felt there weren't enough scenes to really 
build any chemistry between Paul Wesley and Jackie Cruz as a husband and wife to really pay off the scenes at the end where they're starting to fight and and Paul Wesley is being told by the ghost to take back his power. We didn't really establish this loving family where we could get the slow descent and madness from, from the Ron character. And okay, if there's problems in the marriage to begin with because Ron has been at home taking care of their daughter while the wife has been away as a political prisoner, then then establish that. Show those problems between these two and problems within the marriage. Uh, show that they're trying to work on it and allow that, that hope of them working on these problems, uh, allow that to be the fuel to fan the fire of him slowly descending into, okay, he's he's not working on this at all. He's not on board. He's going the opposite way. And, uh, oh no, what's going to happen to Jackie? What's going to happen to Daria? I just don't think they did enough to establish these two as a couple, either a couple in the present or ever having been a couple. I don't think they established uh, what the relationship was actually like. And that's a shame because, like I said, Two good actors. I, I wanted to see more out of these. And then, of course, there's a, a couple more actors we're going to talk about. Rhonda Johnson Dents plays Trudy. I, I liked her. Uh, what little we got of her. There again, her character was just there. And that's a shame because that was an interesting character. If you're going to play into racist themes, she is a black woman. And you could have... You could have played into those. You could have played into the racism aspect of this and given her some sort of voice to comment on that. But she was just there. And that's a shame. Now, the one actor I really loved in this was Thomas Francis Murphy. He is the one that played the Kane character, the old racist ghost. And every time he was on the screen, I don't want to say he chewed up the scenery because it wasn't hammy or anything like that, but he stole the scene with his creepiness and his evilness and his manipulation. And this was probably the most interesting character in the whole movie because you got old pictures of him. You've got all this old KKK paraphernalia that he's got hidden throughout his house. He's got this bunker that when you go down into it, it's it's got a KKK uniform. And it's just, you understand that there is a horrific backstory to this character. And he even tells you the backstory about killing his wife and son because they helped somebody in the story he likens it to the Br'er Rabbit story where he's talking about his wife and, and son being foxes I think and they helped a rabbit uh, I'm essentially he caught them helping a person of color and he didn't like it so he ended up killing his wife and son and their ghosts are also now haunting the house. Which was a big problem for this story because you have a haunted house story. You have these three ghosts that you see, but only one of them does anything. That is the the Kane character. And he doesn't really do anything scary. I mean, the first time we see him, he's walking up the front door that's hanging wide open in his boxers and wiping some black goo into Paul Wesley's mouth. And I thought, oh, this is like a, a really cheesy way to show that he's infecting him with his... With I thought it was going to be racism at the time, but it's not even that. It's just more misogyny and maybe he infected him with the patriarchy. I, I don't know. But he's the only one we ever really see do anything. We've got a couple scenes 
with the wife and son. And, and I get why you don't make them scary. You don't make them bad ghosts because they were victims. But they're the only ghosts you got. And you got to have them doing something scary. Uh, the wife ghost, you see her chained in a bedroom and she's combing her hair creepily. And you could have done something to make her scary, but it just cuts away. The son must have been killed with a plastic bag over his head because he's in the closet and the little girl runs into him. But it's not really played for scares at all because you hear this this ghost wheezing and moaning inside of this closet. Uh, so it's not like he's not there. And so there was no jump scare possibilities and it just it, it just didn't work. There was no scares to be had with any of the ghosts in this. You had a couple moments where you could have done something scary. Probably the creepiest moment in this is when they're all down in the basement fixing the water pump and they come across this, I can't remember if it was a box or something, but an old KKK hood and some old pictures of people in the KKK. And next thing you know, uh, the, the camera's on the Jackie Cruz character, Allegra. She kind of moves, and then behind her you see the little girl with the KKK hood on. And it was just a, a really creepy image, because you don't know if it's the daughter or if it's a ghost right off the bat. And, and then she just runs off, and then of course it's not scary anymore. But it was kind of a creepy moment. And that's one of the things I think they did well in some scenarios, like, you know, Bomir Hasseni did an okay job with creating some tension, creating some creepy moments. He just never fully paid off any of those moments with a with a scare. And when you're doing horror, uh, even if you're trying to, to put forth some sort of message, if you're doing a horror story, you still got to have some horror in it. The horror can't just be racism, white Christian conservatives, and misogyny. Oh my. The scariest part of your horror movie can't be the metaphor. And then the ending was just kind of, Ron has been whipped into this frenzy of going to take back his power by the, the cane ghost. And he's going to string up Allegra in this tree. There's a bit of a fight with Trudy. The daughter comes out and please daddy don't. And then all of a sudden he realizes what he's doing. But instead of, oh, I'm sorry, repenting, and all of that, he blows his own brains out. So instead of saying, oh, honey, honey, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to, I was, uh, you know, I was possessed, I, I don't know, uh, let, let's get out of here. Instead of saying that, he blows his brains out in front of his daughter. Not only leaving her fatherless, but traumatizing her. I don't know what sort of child psychology they have in this not-too-distant dystopian future, but this poor girl Daria is going to need it after that. And then what could have been the saving grace of this movie is the militia guys come back because a drone spotted them out in the open, and the militia guys come back, and they're searching for them throughout the house, and the ghost of the wife and son kill off the militia guys. But you never see any of it. All the kills are off camera. You see the outcomes of what happens. The one guy hanging. The other guy kind of slumped over with a bag over his head. You, you see the aftermath of what happened. But you don't see it actually happen. And that could have been horrific. That could have been not gory. It didn't have to be gory. But it could have been the horror you needed for your horror story.
So ultimately, I think this had some decent ideas. It really did understand why they made this dystopian future the way they did. When you consider that it is supposed to be kind of like an American version of what happened during the Iranian Revolution in the 70s. And I think that it's an interesting thing for Bomir Seni to do this story inspired by what his parents went through in that scenario when it happened in Iran. I think there's an interesting story with the Ron character played by Paul Wesley in the cautionary tale of what happens when you don't know what it really takes to be a man or you have negative influences teaching you what it means to be a man. I I like that. I would have even been on board with this with uh, like some sort of commentary on racism in America if they would have even tried to do that in a succinct way other than just having an old ghost with a bunch of KKK stuff around. And the fact that this really came off, the Ron story came off as a Southern Gothic shining. I even thought for a second they were going to make the the little girl Daria have the shine because her mother is holding up fingers behind her and the girl's guessing what fing- how many fingers she's holding up. And I'm like, oh my God, please don't tell me they're making her her, you know, have some sort of Danny Torrance shine about her. But then when she mentions that, uh, oh, she's not guessing, the boy behind her is telling her the answers. That was creepy, but it never got paid off in any way. It just, you know, just was there. I just think this movie needed to pare down how many themes it wanted to talk about, how many social issues it wanted to talk about and decide whether it wants to be a horror movie, whether it wants to be a not-too-distant-future dystopian sci-fi movie. Like I always tell myself when it comes to writing commercials, keep it simple, stupid. I hurt my own feelings every time when I say that, but it's true. The best ideas are the simplest ideas, and I think Bomir Hasseni just had too many ideas, and I think he should have stuck with his original idea and find the simplest way to tell that story with ghosts and make it scary. I think this had the kernel of a couple good ideas, but he just needed to focus on one of those. And I think this could have been a lot better movie. But there again, like I said, you know, this is the first time director. I'm not sure about screenwriter, but if memory serves me right, I think I do remember hearing that this is his first least feature-length screenplay. Hopefully he keeps at it. Hopefully we get to see more from him. Uh, I, I think there were some good things about about this, uh, you know, the look, working with actors and and pulling the best performances out of them. Uh, I think that's something he needs to work on, writing characters that actors can really find some dimension and and act with some dimension. I think, you know, that needs to be worked on. But I really enjoyed the look and feel when Ron is in the, the regular world as opposed to going into the subconscious world where he is conversing with the Kane character everything is kind of amped up color-wise and you get some more vibrant colors of the 50s and 60s. And I thought he did a really good job kind of distinguishing between the drabness of the the everyday world and this this more vibrant, but not too over-the-top vibrant, color palette 
for the the subconscious ghost world that Ron slips into when he's having conversations with this this old racist ghost. Uh, so I, I thought things like that. I thought Bo Miraseni did a good job with things like that. I would be interested to see uh, another movie of his, but this one just didn't do it for me, unfortunately. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on the new Shutter original, History of Evil. You can check that out. And, you know, like I said, you might enjoy it more than I did. I just didn't really care for it. It is a, a short movie, an hour and 37 minutes or so, give or take. Uh, but it just, it felt so much longer. And that was another thing. The pacing of this movie really hurt it because uh, things could have been tightened. Things could have been condensed. You could have added more scenes that developed characters better. Uh, there was just a mismanagement of time with this movie unfortunately but you may enjoy it more than i did but go check it out for yourself and uh, see see uh, how you felt uh, hopefully if you did watch it hopefully you liked it uh, if you didn't like it i can't blame you and if you don't care one way or the other i probably did not sway you into watching this movie but but want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on a history of evil check it out now on shutter you can check out more with odds bodkins curiosity shop on our facebook page and instagram page we're always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as our latest episodes. No matter where you listen to this podcast, like, follow, subscribe to it, whatever your podcast platform of choice calls it. Do that so you can stay on top of all the latest episodes when they drop. And as always, please leave those reviews five stars. would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!